You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians, brought to you by Built Bar. Remember, when you go to Built Bar, use that promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. So we have a lot of things we can go with on today's show. Let's start off with the Kansas City Royals check, who got swept by the White Sox. So started June with the best record in baseball. Uh, for not even counting the, the last game in April, they lost, counting last game in April, they lost 2-3 or three to the Twins. Well, four to the Indians, three to the White Sox. Yeah, so since the month has began, since the month has began, is that, no? Since, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, it was a team that was overperforming, and uh, time is coming at them hard and quick, and they are now under 500. Quite a change for the Royals. Ben Gamble, uh, we hardly knew you. He was claimed by the Pirates, and it kind of made me laugh a little because that means he'll get a chance to man center field with Kaye Tom. Now, Kaye Tom has struggled greatly since he has gotten that role with the Pirates, but you have some Pirates combining Indian center fielders with their fifth center fielder of the year, I think, out there. Now, in fairness to Kaye Tom, he does have a bat pip of 154. He's been incredibly unlucky. I do love the 13.5% walk rate in the majors. There's a lot of signs there. I'm not saying he's going to be great but that he could get himself up to league average. But yeah, Kaya Tom, Ben Gamble for the Pirates. Uh, it's just humorous to see a pair of Indians who will get that opportunity. Or I should say former Indians, as it were. Let's talk Roberto Perez. Uh, we'll get into the Reds games this weekend. We'll talk about the upcoming series. It's an off day Monday. So then you got your short series against the Cubs, which we'll preview before facing a Seattle. And then the Angels going out there on the West Coast. What's it mean that they're going out on the West Coast real quickly before we do our Birdo talk is I'm not going to be staying up for those games. I'll just be honest with everyone out there. It's an impossibility due to day job. So we'll be covering some of these games after they've occurred. Instead of, you know, waking up the next day and hearing my take on a baseball game, it might be two. It's just the unfortunate truth of that West Coast game experience. So let's talk about Roberto Perez. So Roberto Perez was a player that I was kind of excited about, like in the early going. If you heard me talking about this show, it's like, oh, we're getting 2019 Berto. And 2019 Berto, before injuries, was great. Like, he arguably should have been an all-star. It was a top-five catcher in baseball type of upside where he was in the first half of 2019. But I also talked about when he had the being minorly beat up. You can go back to, gosh, I wish I could tell you exactly which show last week. But I talked about the idea where... Uh, you know, that someone wrote a piece about Roberto Perez having value at the trade deadline. And I finally remember it was Kevin uh, Gold Goldstein over at Fangraphs. He used to work at Baseball Prospectus. And then in between was at uh, with the Houston Astros. And I talked about, well, it could be a way to save money. And I thought there wasn't a huge drop between Hedges and Berto. Well, now, Berto is out for 8 to 10 weeks. And we'll see if I'm right or wrong. Uh, for Berto, it's just... You know, we can call him Berto. We can call him, I personally prefer the Robocop nickname. Uh, I've not heard that as much from him uh, with people referring to him over the years. You know, he's a great story. 33rd round pick out of Florida Gateway College. A guy who was really almost an afterthought. Didn't make a major league debu- debut until age 25. 
and similar to when we talked about Eric Haas back in the day, a player who really worked to rework themselves and get that chance at the big league level. And Perez ran with it. And you look at the early years where he was more of a backup, but still getting, you know, 200 plate appearances a season. He only has one season, by the way, with more than 250 plate appearances. And that was that 2019 season. Now, part of that was because Jan Gomes was there before then. And part of it has always been health. He has had struggles with health almost continuously from the time that he has been in the big leagues. We talked about the great 2019 season. He was hurt. 2020, not in his best shape. Back-to-back gold glove winner. There is still value in that. I am curious to see what they do with him monetarily. He'll have a chance to come back and prove himself. But at $7 million for next year, 450 k buyout, you only exercise that if you think there is value. Uh, eight to ten weeks. Let's just extrapolate out the data. I mean, eight weeks from May takes you to mid-June. If it's ten, that's closer. Or, I'm sorry, July. You take that's the end of July. I mean, there's a chance he's healthy before the trade deadline. It's not a guarantee, but I think there is. If there is a team that is desperately in need of a catcher and wants to acquire a you know someone who can handle staff and be a multi. Uh, get a multi-gold glove type of catcher. I, you know, I still think they look to move him because I don't think they're going to pay him seven million dollars. I think they're more content to have Hedges, who's going to be about. I think he's at three, and with the way he's producing, he'll probably be about three to four next year as well. So for Berto, I think in a lot of regards, you know, I think what Kevin Goldstein wrote was, uh, you know, some forward thinking. Because if there were teams that were interested, a very classic Indians move is to trade him before he starts. He's going to make like $5 million this year. He would have made $7 million ne- next year. And if you're in the scratch, and I apologize, I have a cat who wanted to get into the space that I'm recording in. But more important than the fact he's making $7 million is that's the last year of his contract. And the Indians like to get value when they can. And if they can get value for a player who's a year away from free agency, it only makes sense. And so who would be... A potential trade partner? Well, the Indians have been hesitant to trade in the American League, but Tampa would make sense. They value defense. They're getting nothing from the catching position and essentially haven't since Travis Dayarn left. Speaking of Travis Dayarn, tore his thumb ligament. That's going to be a while. Atlanta could conceivably be a team that would look to trade for a catcher if he doesn't come back from that uh, before the end of this year. And then the Miami Marlins, a team that made the postseason last year, has some aspirations this year. Their starting catcher this week has been Sandy Leon. Yes, that that same player, the one who uh, got a minor league contract. They just, uh, Jorge Alfaro has been hurt, and when he's healthy, he hasn't been great. They don't have much there. And if they're a team that, you know, wants to contend, currently they're 15 and 18, uh, you know, part of their issue is just injuries galore, with Marte out and Jazz Chisholm hurt and Alfaro. And when you go to the pitching staff, uh, you know that Sixto Sanchez has had his own set of issues. Uh, Trevor Rogers has been fantastic. Sandy Alcantara has been fantastic. Pablo Lopez has been fantastic. They have the thing, the parts and pieces to compete. They just need to get another starter out there, figure that out. And uh, they need a real catcher. And that's where you could conceivably... I don't know what trade would make sense if you're an Indians fan with them. You're not getting J.J. Bleday, stop, full stop. Uh, but maybe there's a world where you can convince them on a 
Peyton Burdick, though that's probably also too much as well. Uh, but yeah, there, there's that's the team I would look into. That's the team I would talk to and try to figure something out. If Berto is able to come back in eight weeks and show that he's still a gold glove defender and a little bit below average offensively, I think there is there's a move to be made. And then if they can then, as I talked about on the show last week, maybe that gives them a few extra dollars to package some of these prospects. You know, I was looking at uh, Justin Lotta talking about Jelanski uh, Noel, who isn't one of the 11 players the Indians need to protect. He was in that next four group and how well he's playing in the early going. They have so many prospects. And I'm going to be talking about this Rule 5 stuff from now until the end of the season because it is a huge story in terms of you have to make a trade. They have to uh, package prospects to make a trade to get better. Otherwise, you're giving away talent. And this is a team that never gives away talent uh, and never, you know, they've lost. And and with the Rule 5, it's one of those crazy things where the Indians have never selected anyone who's been effective in the history of this draft. They have never had one player who has gone on to be more than like a two-war player for the Indians yet. In the past 10 years alone, I can think of Santander and Rondon. And you just keep going from there. They, they lose players and they've lost talent. But under the current regime, it's certainly been less. And as that regime that hates to lose talent, you know, if they can go out and add some salary, package some prospects, uh, while also freeing up that money by moving Berto and maybe getting other prospects who are further away from having to be added to the 40-man, it, it's something that I think they would likely consider and should. And, you know, I wish... Berto well, he's just been unable to stay healthy, and that lack of health is what's held him back. Again, you can go back to 2019 where the guy looked like a breakout. He looked like he's going to be one of the top five catchers in baseball. And since then, his body has betrayed him at every turn. He has been sick or hurt or hurt and needing surgery, or this is broken, that is broken. I think he's had three surgeries in the last three years. It's That's why... At the end of the day, I mean, they're not going to give him $7 million. They're not going to pay him that much money anyways. So if there's a deal that makes sense, then you might as well make that deal. Even if it's not bringing you a ton, ton of value, like even if it's not bringing you like the Marlins' seventh best prospect or eighth best prospect, which is what Burdick is, it's going to save him a little bit of money on the buyout, which we know is something they consider and they look at because they waved Brad Hand hoping someone else would claim him so they wouldn't have to pay that million-dollar buyout. Every little dollar helps, and with this front office, they know they have to use every tool they can to conserve every dollar, and it's just what it comes down to. They know that they're in a situation where money is tight, and they have to find a way to be successful in spite of budgetary constraints. Let's take a quick moment before we put the capstone on Birdo and then talk about this short weekend series and talk about our sponsor, rockauto.com. You have heard me talk about Rock Auto. For over a year now, they've been a fantastic sponsor for that length of time. And remember, when you do go to rockauto.com in the How'd You Hear About Us box, you want to type Locked On, Locked On Indians, Locked On MLB, some form of Locked On, lets them know that their advertising money is well spent. I don't know cars. (laughs) It's not my skill set. It is not anything I grew in, up, in, around, or with. But what is nice is I can still navigate the Rock Auto site. I can use it as a tool to help me make sure that I'm getting a good deal on a part for my car, when I take it in the mechanic, when they say you need A, B, and C, I can compare my prices and see if I am getting the right deal. It gives me power. It's an empowering tool. It can be an empowering tool for you as well. Remember that is rockauto.com, family-owned, American-owned business. 
rockauto.com. Make sure that you let them know that Locked On sent you in some form. Bet Online is our other sponsor for our little block here. And let's go look what, well, here's the problem. I am so used to going and looking at the lines. I did it without even thinking, knowing that uh, tomorrow there wouldn't be a line because there isn't a game tomorrow. The Indians have an off day on Monday, so there is no line. But this is an opportunity to remind you that when you go to bet online, I'm there right now. You see sports, live betting, casino, live casino, race book, poker, esports, contests, promotions. And I can click on politics. I think I talked about that before. And you can bet on politics. You can look at the player props and see what is going down in terms of things. You can find game props, futures, other sports. They even have useful links. Go check it all out for yourself at betonline.ag. Remember to use the promo code Locked On to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. You're never going to get 50 on any other uh, promotion we have. So that is betonline.ag. Promo code is Locked On for your 50% bonus on your first deposit. So let's put kind of a final note here on Berto before we move on to talk about this weekend's games. So I, I mentioned the 2019 season, the 449. Played appearances were over 200 more than the next, well, 201, let's be fair, his next highest total. Through the course of his career, he has an OPS plus of 75. Now, he did have a 98 that year, and he did have a 101 back in 2015. But we look at the 98, which was in 449 of his six, basically 1,600 plate appearances. The rest of the time, I mean, even using that data, he's still a 75 overall. So the question becomes, you know, as I was getting hopeful of a rebound, he's at a 60 OPS plus this year. How much is he, how good could he even be? Like, are, are we putting all of our eggs in the basket of that one exceptional season for a guy who throughout his career has been a 209, 301, 361, 662 OPS slash line? At some point, you just have to look at the production and also realize on a very basic level this is a 32-year-old catcher who has not been healthy consistently for three to four years. I, like I said, if they can get some value in a trade, it makes sense because he will turn you know, 33 on December 23rd, and there's no way they're giving a, even though he is coming off of two straight gold gloves, uh, even if he wins the gold glove a third straight year, I can't see them keeping him for $7 million. So we'll see what they do. But Roberto Perez, uh, this is likely his last year in Cleveland. That's why I say if they can get some kind of value, a trade makes sense. Now let's go and talk about these games. I will turn 40 this summer. And I'm telling you guys that because, guys and gals, I should say, because in my 40 plus years, there's not been a no hitter by an Indians pitcher. It just hasn't happened. Uh, I believe the last one was Len Parker, right? Which was actually a perfect game and was the second one in the franchise history. And that was May 15th, 1981. I wouldn't come around until July. Uh, and before that, it had been Dennis Eckersley had had the previous one. The Indians have had 14 no hitters. I, I know that might be hard to believe, three of those belonging to uh, Bob Feller, but they've had the last one was May 15th, 1981. The Indians have been no-hit twice this season in their first 31 games. Like, I just couldn't get over that. That's to be like, okay, in my lifetime, I'm, you know, at that point where they're like, oh, I'm basically middle-aged. No no-hitters. 
but in one season in 31 games, the Indians can be no hit twice. It's it just kind of made my head hurt to think about it. And yeah, I and I talked about too. This is a team where they match up well against Wade Miley. Uh, they've had success against Wade Miley in the past. And not in this one. You get the one walk by Cesar Hernandez. That's it. Uh, your stars of the game. I mean, Plesak is an easy star. Eight innings, three hits, no walks, seven strikeouts. Uh, he was matching Miley pitch for pitch. Emmanuel Classe gets lit up, uh, and that's unfortunate. But your, th- your next Phil Maton comes in, one inning, strikes out the side. Uh, so that's two. Uh, Ahmad Rosario has a pair of errors in this one, so it doesn't go to him. So Cesar Hernandez with your one plate, you know, one player to reach base, get your third star in this one. I don't know how much more I really need to dig into. It's just, I like it was embarrassing to be like, they're really going to get no hit again, aren't they? They're really going to get no hit again. You're kidding me. And then that ninth inning, like to just go through it, single, single, uh, there's the fielder's choice, fielder's choice, the error on that, which essentially once the fielder's choice happens, I mean, they were already, the way the offense was going, it's not like they could do anything. Uh, a balk and then another single. They go out and cha- make the change and then uh, Eugenio Suarez, Taylor, Tyler Naquin and Tucker Barnhart all strike out and for the Indians, you know, they go out and flail in the ninth and it's another no hitter and you can't do anything but laugh because it's just like how how is it twice in the first 31 games for a team that's in first place no less at the time uh it's a little bit pitiful let's let's be honest there but man just uh, there's not really words are there i mean it's it's ridiculous uh do we there's not more to say like they had a good matchup and it didn't come together for whatever reason. They looked absolutely foolish against. And Miley has pitched well this year. Let's let's be honest. But oh man, that was that was a heartacre. And then a heartacre is that really thing? I don't think that's a thing. I think I'm making up words. Next night, after getting no hit, they put up nine runs on the board because that's the Indians this year. And Luis Castillo. Remember two years ago when there was talk that he would be uh, trade fodder. Part of me sits back and goes, man, the. The Reds missed the sell-high date on him, didn't they? But Savali, seven innings, one earned run, five strikeouts, two walks, five hits. Quantrell, another strong outing. His ERA is down to 2.12. Whitgren gives up a run in his. On the other side of things, if you listen to this podcast, you know how much I talked about, like, I believe in Carson Fulmer. I think he should get a chance. And then he goes to the Pirates, and they still can't fix him. And then the Reds are the team to claim it, and I'm like, they'll figure him out. Like, they have a very good track record with arms, and there is there was too much ability. Like, you saw him pitch at Vandy. You saw two-plus pitches easily. It was an odd delivery. There was a chance he was going to be a reliever, but even as a reliever, we're like, he'll be a high-end effective reliever. And he's been good for the Reds, and they have figured him out, and they got a guy who... They'll have you know multiple years of control of on the cheap that uh, they they were able to fix. I was always hoping the Indians would like trade for him. Like he is the perfect former top ten overall pick in a pretty deep draft out of Vanderbilt, and you know it, miscast by the White Sox, who and there's a time where everything they touched turned to gold. And I mean you look at Lucas Giolito, and that's certainly the case. 
but they've had some some flameouts amongst pitching prospects in recent years. You know, Carlos Rondon was an exceedingly high pick who never really seemed to develop quite right. Ronaldo Lopez really hasn't worked out for them. I mean, one could argue Dylan Cease has not turned into the player that many thought he would be. Uh, a lot of their, we'll see what happens with Kopech, but a lot of their pitching is not developed as well as kind of expected uh, for the White Sox. And Fulmer was just that case. And then he goes to Pittsburgh, who's terrible. I would have loved to have seen the Indians work out a trade for him to get them him in their pen. I think they could have worked wonders as well. Right now, the Reds are the team reaping the benefit, though. Just wanted to take that second to talk about him so much on the show. I felt like I had to at least mention him. Uh, Hendricks, who pitched in this one, uh, former Indians draft pick. I went and dug that up as I was watching the game. I'm like, is that the same guy, Texas A&M, who the Indians failed to sign, who I believe they drafted out of high school? I mean, they, they knew they weren't going to sign him. It wasn't a fail to sign. It was a... They knew that wouldn't happen. Uh, in this one, hey, you know, Naquin goes two for four, hits his seventh home run of the year. Still has that OPS up over 900, uh, but he has definitely cooled off a bit. Jess Winkler, you know, he had uh, was part of the scoring in the last game, has a double in this one. And when I previewed the series very quickly, we talked about how he has been uh, – obscenely hot to the point that he is definitely going to come back to earth Indian side of things so that this is where it matters so who reached base more than you know two or more times Ahmed Rosario two walks Jose Ramirez two hits uh, Eddie Rosario had a hit and a walk two hits by Naylor two hits by Bowers hit and a walk for Hedges that's right Bowers and Hedges both reached base twice I don't know if that's ever happened this year Bowers is creeping up for all of his struggles, 204, 580. Uh, Eddie Rosario, Jose Ramirez with doubles, triple for Cesar Hernandez. And let's see, you also have, it's it's weird to look at a box score and that there's two errors and they don't go to the Indians. 11 hits, five walks. 16 base runners to get their nine runs. For doing the three stars for this one, because that's becoming a, a thing I do. You start with Savali, right? I mean, he's the, the obvious choice with a, the strong seven innings. So that's one of your two. And then I think you have to take Jose Ramirez with the, the double and the two for five. And just being in the heart of the lineup and being that guy who kind of makes things go. And then part of me is tempted to go with Naylor. I think you almost have to. I mean, Naylor had two walks and two hits. Uh, sure, it was two singles, but I mean, still... Four times you reach base, you, you have to. I don't think you can avoid that. You know, there wasn't a home run. The triple was the biggest hit with Cesar Hernandez. Everyone performed well. But at the end of the day, Jose Ramirez, Josh Naylor, Aaron Savali, those are your three stars in this one. Josh Naylor also creeping up. You know, they were as cold as cold could be in the early going. We're hoping that Naylor, if everything works out, above average bat. Like That's that's what you're going for. That's That's the big hope with him. That he is going to be a you know not a star, not not a great player, but an above average bat. And Bowers, you're hoping above average bat as well. He's he's creeping. We'll see what goes on. We'll see what continues to occur. But in general, on this team, it's like you have Jose Ramirez, you have Luplo, and you have Franmil Reyes, who have been above league average. Everyone else has been below. Naylor is approaching respectability. We'll have to see who else on the team can get there. This is what happens when it's the early season. Things can shift suddenly. The Indians, by the way, with that win, uh, since they 
what the makeup game is now August 9th, I want to say. Uh, the, saw someone tweeting out, not only will that, uh, you know, be the makeup, but that's also going to be the decider for the battle for Ohio in this one. Uh, we'll it, pushing that game to there because it's what to be made up due to all the rain. August 9th, off day for both teams with the Indians currently uh, with no game today and the White Sox having swept Kansas City. White Sox moved into first place. The Indians are a game back, no longer our first place. They're at a 21% chance by fan graphs to win the division and a 32.2 to make the playoffs. For all the Royals' struggles, by the way, still ahead of the Twins. Twins are 12 and 20. Whew. I mean, Tigers are 10 and 24 for comparison. The Tigers' chance to win the division, zero. Chance to make the playoffs, zero. Uh, the Twins still have a higher chance to make the division, to make the division, make the playoffs, and to win the division than the Royals. But at some point, the Twins are just going to have to put something together. It's not been, uh, nothing has been successful so far for them in the early going. It's going to be an interesting division to watch. You know, I said I thought the Indians would compete for second. Uh, I thought it'd be with the Twins and not the Royals. But so far, hey, my prediction is uh, I picked uh, the White Sox one with the the Indians Twins 2-3. Uh, in that mix and really thought they were a toss-up. So we'll see. Uh, I could be very wrong if things keep playing out because uh, the Twins are so far further behind. They'll eventually figure it out, though, and I think that prediction will look good later on. Bill Bar is one of our other fantastic sponsors. We know him. We love him. I mentioned like that, that uh, sweet heat bar, and it sold out immediately. If you go over to BillBar.com right now, I'm pulling them up as I'm recording to see if they've got anything special going on. Even if they don't, it's always good to go to Built Bar Strawberry. Their strawberry bars. Uh, if you like some of their other ones, I know it's going quickly. It could be one to check out for you. I would still recommend the Mixed Box. I think that's the way to go. I'm a big fan of, you know, the peanut butter brownie, the salted caramel. A lot of those are my favorite. And when you try the Mixed Box, it's just easy to find out what is your flavor, what you like. So next time you can get specifically the ones you want. You know, and I never talk about it, but they also have their Built Bar Bites. If the normal bar is too big for you, you can get the smaller variety and just have something that's a quick snack on the go. It's all great at Built Bar. I Personally, if anyone out there from Built Bar is listening, bring back your banana stuff. I was a real big fan of the banana flavors. I hope we'll see some of those again soon. I love the product. I buy the product. I shop at BuiltBar.com. When you do shop there for yourself, use the promo code LOCKDOWN15 to get that 15% off. That is what they give a repeat customer, so you're getting a fantastic deal with that. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. So it's a quick series. Let's do a quick preview and talk about the two starters that we'll be pitching in this one. Uh, Adabert Alzole is technically still rookie. He did pitch last year for the Cubs. Numbers are sterling for him, but there is a huge bud here. His bat pip is a little over 200. Incredibly lucky on balls hit and play. That is not something that's sustainable. 285 is the average. So batters are hitting about 80 below where they should be. That is a sign. Now, his FIP is fantastic. It's showing that all the other outliers, good K rate, good strikeout rate, more balls are going to land and play at some point. It's just, it's not sustainable. No one has a bat pip that low. Uh, In terms of his splits, you do want to definitely load up with lefties. He is significantly worse in the early going of an incredibly small sample size because he has only pitched, what, 50 innings in the big leagues. But uh, it is noticeable. It's like almost uh, what two and a half strikeouts different, 
over a walk different. His FIP is three runs different versus righties versus lefties. Again, high degree of variance because it's such a small sample size. But as a rookie, that should not be surprising that he's great against righties and struggles against lefties. And not even struggles. He goes from like, you know, number two type of arm to a number, I mean, number two, even kind of a number one to a more of a back end type. And again, bat pips on both of those. 179 versus righties, totally unsustainable. That's over 100 points below the average. 233 versus lefties. His numbers will start to go up just because more hits are going to land. That's something that uh, you can't stay where it is. Uh, But yeah, the Indians definitely want to load up on lefties uh, when they can against him. Uh, Definitely a Bowers day. The other pitcher, Zach Davies, uh, you might remember him as he went over to San Diego in a deal that looks worse and worse by the moment for the Brewers, where they sent uh, Trent Grisham and Zach Davies for Eric Lauer, who's mostly been hurt, and Luis Urias, who has not been able to uh, hold on to that shortstop job, though did allow them to trade Orlando Arcia to the Braves, where he has been on fire of late for them. So it's like all parts. It's just like Grisham has looked amazing. Arcia is doing great. And Milwaukee's just sitting there like, why isn't any of this happening when players are here? But Davies was good for Milwaukee. He was solid for San Diego a year ago. Uh, the numbers are never exciting. He doesn't miss bats, but he was a good pitcher and he only cost $8.6 million to sign. That's a steal for a guy who is clearly a major league caliber starting pitcher. Uh, more of a 4-5 type, but a solid type of major league pitcher. In terms of his splits, yeah, he is worse against lefties, but not significantly so. Uh, strike rate's a little lower, but strikeout rate with him in general is low. He doesn't walk a ton of guys. Uh, yeah, you're going to be more successful. You definitely want to get a few more lefties in the lineup. It's it's not as big of a deal with Alze. When I look at this overall thing, if I'm doing, I probably shouldn't be doing my full on. We'll talk a little bit more about lineup and other things later in the week. But I just, it's easy to say split. Indians win Tuesday, lose Wednesday. Just looking at those matchups, I think that is something where almost everyone would agree across the board with those uh, general views on this series against the Cubs. Remember to download daily, rate, and review. All of that stuff helps. Uh, we're having some big issues on iTunes, so hopefully if you're hearing this, this means they fixed it. Uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. I have been working on my big board. I am I have 31 players laid out, and I have nine very long capsules written. Uh, so I will be posting that soon via that Twitter account. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.